0: You're listening to the Cornerstone Chapel High School Youth Ministry. Let's head into the service for this week's message. Please turn to the book of Acts. Let's begin today's study. Acts chapter 10. Turn to the book of Acts chapter 10. I don't know the page number in the blue Bibles. Anybody know the page number? 765? 64? Acts chapter 10. Sets... 765, 64, which is it? Just like the dress, what color is it? Which is it? Oh, did I bring that up? I don't know what the big deal is. Really. Page 765, 764, gold and white, black and blue. Yeah, I don't care either. I really don't. Acts chapter 10. Shh. Acts chapter 10. The dress is gold and white, by the way. So let's dive in. Acts chapter 10. We are now in a pivotal point in the book of Acts. These past couple of weeks, uh, well, last week we didn't even have church. It's crazy. It's pretty rare that we don't have that. But the past couple of weeks we have now been studying certain characters in the book of Acts. Starting with Stephen, and he was the first martyr of the church. The word martyr just means witness in the Greek. He died for his faith. He died for Jesus. They stoned him to death, the Pharisees did, because they didn't want to believe anything he had to say. Stephen was proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ. They said that you Pharisees crucified him. You hung him up on the cross. He's now dead because of you, but guess what? He rose from the dead, and he is now living in heaven, interceding for us, and his Holy Spirit is present with us today. They didn't like that. They drug him out to the street. They stoned him. They killed him. He's the first martyr. The next story we read was Philip the Ethiopian. No, Philip evangelizing to the Ethiopian. Two different characters. And Philip, as known as the evangelist, goes and preaches the gospel to this one person that the Spirit says, "I, I want you to go over to this person and talk to him. Philip has no idea why. He has no idea where to go. The Spirit says, go this way. I'll tell you where to go. And I want you to go preach the gospel to this one person. This Ethiopian man has no idea what he's reading. Philip shares the gospel with him. He gets saved. He gets baptized. And Philip disappears out of his sight and shows up in Azotus in Israel and still goes and preaches the gospel. Very cool story of Philip and the Ethiopian. And the last story we read was the conversion of Saul. Saul on his way to Damascus. He is uh, met by the Lord, shining light. He goes blind for three days, the scripture tells us. And later down the road, his name would be changed to Paul. And Paul is one of the biggest influential writers of the New Testament. He wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. Huge character. But in Acts chapter 10, where we are now, we are now at the character of Peter. Now we, we flip from Stephen to Philip to Paul. And now we're on to Peter. These four different characters. And it's Peter's uh, kind of dialogue and story with this man named Cornelius. And I don't know if a lot of if you have read this portion of Scripture in Acts chapter 10. It is a great story, and we see God's Spirit moving in the heart of Peter and moving in the heart of this Gentile Roman centurion. And now he is now the first Gentile believer in Jesus that's recorded here in Scripture. It's a great story. And we're going to see a theme and a lesson for you and me today that Peter struggled with, that Peter actually had to understand. Acts chapter 10, let's follow along in verse 1. We're not going to read the whole chapter, we're going to skim through it. It is a big chapter, but we're going to get the, the meat of it. So let's look at verse 1. It says this At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. It says, One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him and he had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Let's pause right here. You have this man now named Cornelius. He's a Roman centurion. In this day and age, he was a centurion over what is known as the Italian regiment that Acts says is basically a Roman army. A centurion was a man in charge of over a hundred soldiers. The word centurion, we get our English word century, which is a hundred. So he is a man that is over 100 men, 100 soldiers. It says that he's a devout, God-fearing man and his whole family. And they're living at Caesarea. Caesarea is right on the coast of Israel, on the coast of the Mediterranean. I've been there. It's a beautiful place, a lot of ruins. There's a Colosseum there. And this is where he's stationed. He's living here. And we're going to get into it. It's, it's, it says that he's God-fearing. It says that he knows who God is, that he gives to the poor. But we're going to understand that he knew of God... But he had not yet received Jesus Christ. And that's key. So as we read this, just remember that he is a devout, God-fearing man. And he actually loves the Jews. Loves the people. Now Peter is going to have this moment in time where he meets this Roman centurion, a Gentile. Never supposed to associate with a Gentile. Dirty, unclean. We're going to see this now that Peter is going to meet with them and walls are going to be broken. It's very cool. Looking now in verse 9 we're going to see peter's side of the story. It says about noon the following day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals and all, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. And then a voice told him, "Get up, Peter, kill and eat." Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still there thinking about the vision, the spirit told him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have come to this house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. It says the next day Peter started out with them and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence, but Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said, I am only a man myself. Talking with him, Peter went aside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. Jump now down to verse 34. It says in verse 34, Then Peter began to speak. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. Look down to verse 44 now. It says while Peter was still speaking these words the holy spirit came on all who heard the message the circumcised believers who had come with peter were astonished that the gift of the holy spirit had been poured out even on the gentiles for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising god then peter said can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water they have received the holy spirit just as we have so we ordered that they be baptized in the name of jesus christ then they asked peter to stay with them for a few days Amazing story. We're going to dive in. Let's pray real quick, and then we'll study it. Father, we thank you for your word, and in this book of Acts, chapter 10, a pivotal point in where you're going to start breaking down some walls between Jews and Gentiles, discrimination that's going on. And Father, as we study your word, I pray that it would apply to our own lives today, that we would learn something new, maybe something that we didn't even know about, that you would convict our hearts today. Father, we we just lift up this time for you. We want to give you our attention, our full devotion. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is an awesome story. In this day and age, in this time period, there was great hatred, great discrimination, great segregation, great racism in this time between Jews and Gentiles. A Gentile, if you're new today, a Gentile is basically someone that wasn't a Jew, If you're not a Jew this morning, you're considered a Gentile. Jews and Gentiles did not get along. Some still don't today. And in today's theme, we're going to talk about this fault in favoritism. It's that one word that Peter says in verse 34 of chapter 10. Look at it again. Verse 34, Peter says, he began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Again, in this day and age, the context of this story, there's great discrimination between Jews and Gentiles. The Jews hated the Romans because the Romans, the Roman Empire that was huge in this day and age, that ruled the world at that time, was over the province of Israel. And so this man Cornelius is a centurion. He's over 100 men. He's stationed in Caesarea. He's a military captain. And he's over the province of Judea. The Jews would have hated them. The Jews would have hated any of their soldiers. They believed that the soldiers were just in it for the money. They hated everybody. They just wanted to tax the people. They didn't get along. The Jews in this time and age believed that the Gentiles were basically filthy, dirty, stinky rags. They hated them. They were considered unclean. Because the Romans did what the Romans do. They ate the pork, they ate the bacon, they ate everything. They ran around, they did crazy stuff, they worshipped all these false gods. Romans were crazy in this time. Immorally bad as well. And the Jews hated them. Jews had nothing to do with them. The rabbis in this time would also, when they would walk and they'd come past a Jew, uh, I'm sorry, a Gentile, like a Roman centurion, or just a regular Gentile. And as you're walking down the street, if you're a little too close to them... They would kind of gird up their loins or whatever or kind of get, gird up their, their long robes, their tunics, and fold them in so that even their tunics wouldn't even touch the Gentiles. That's how much they hated them. It's like, I don't even want to touch you with my clothes. They're scum. That's how they pictured them. The rabbis in this day and age believe that hell was created for the Gentiles so the Gentiles would be fuel for the fires of hell. This is how much they hated each other. And Jesus is now speaking to Peter, saying, I want you to go and talk to this Roman centurion named Cornelius. Peter's like, what? But before he does this, God gives him a vision and says, look at this, Peter. Kill and eat. Peter's like, I'm not eating that. That's impure. It's unclean, Lord. I'm not supposed to. God is now breaking down walls. He says, I don't want you to call anything. But he's really speaking of anyone. I don't want you to call anyone impure or unclean that I have called clean. Peter now realizes this. Now again, you may be asking, well, it says that Cornelius was a God-fearing, devout man. His family loved the Jews. They gave to the poor. This guy seems like a nice Christian. He knew of God. He did the right thing. But he had not yet received Jesus into his heart. The whole family believed in God. They had not yet received him, though. So for Peter to be in the house of a Gentile, talking to him about Jesus, was very awkward, very weird, very dirty for Peter. But Peter quotes right now in verse 34, I see now how God does not show favoritism to anyone. This word favoritism on the screen, if you will, it's a noun And basically the best translation for favoritism is the unfair practice of treating some people better than others. This is going to be our theme for today. Because this was a struggle for Peter in this time, as a Jew, having nothing to do with the Gentile, especially a Roman. They hated the Romans. And favoritism this time could be also linked with discrimination and prejudice. Almost a type of racism. Hated each other. Not necessarily because of skin color, but because of who they were. Just as filthy, ugly rags hated each other. That is what favoritism basically is. The unfair practice of treating some people better than others. When you show favoritism to somebody, and you dislike somebody else just because of who they are, and you favorite this person, you are now showing favoritism to that person and discriminating this person. And the Bible actually calls this a sin. And I know a lot of us, myself included, have once struggled with this, at least once. And because of this, now, the Bible says that is sin. Favoritism, in God's view, in God's eyes, is a sin. A lot of us don't think of it that way, though. A lot of us do it ignorantly. We don't really think that we're showing favoritism to somebody. A lot of us do it intentionally. We know what we're doing. We don't want to talk to that person because of who they are. We'll talk with this person because of who they are. The Bible says, ignorantly or intentionally, it's sin. And we have to understand this now. We now have to be aware, if we're showing favoritism to somebody without knowing it, we need to become a reality. And we need to understand that God does not approve of this. How do we know this? Well, there's some few verses up on the screen that's in God's Word. This is the first one of Acts chapter 10. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but He accepts men from every nation... Who fear him and do what is right? Here's a few other verses: Romans 2:11. For God does not show favoritism. Paul would say this: Ephesians 6:9. And there is no favoritism with him. God's not picking and choosing. God's not saying, "Ah, you screwed up, or you're just looking kind of weird." I'm going to pick this guy. He's looking good. He looks like he can be president, or he looks like he could be the best pastor, or he looks like he could be the cool prom king. Because I pick him. He looks cool. She looks great. She's the next one. I would hate that if God did that. 1 Corinthians actually says that God chooses the lowly and the poor in the world's view and makes them the wise. He chooses the lowly. He does not show favoritism. God is a God who loves everybody, who treats everybody fairly, even when we may not even think of it. And if he doesn't show favoritism, guess what? Neither should you or me. I want you guys now to go to the book of James. We're going to now flip switches. Go to James. Keep your hand in Acts chapter 10. We will be back. But go to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Because in James chapter 2, James inspired by the Holy Spirit, clearly spells it out, what favoritism is, and how we as believers and Christians are never to do this. James chapter 2, look at verse 1. James would say, My brothers, as believers in, glor- in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. And he, d- he gives a little illustration. He says in verse 2, Suppose a man comes in your meeting wearing a gold ring, fine clothes, And a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention, you can underline that phrase, if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, hey, here's a good seat for you. But you say to the poor man, ah, just go stand over there. Or uh, how about you just sit down on the floor by my feet? There you go, poor shabby man. Verse 4, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Pretty, pretty explicit language. Now look at verse 8. It says, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, which says love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But, here's the flip, but if you show favoritism, he says you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. What? Oh, great. Great. Come on, James, really, did you have to say that? Just say, don't show favoritism. Just say that. We'll work on that part. But now you're actually calling it sin. Yeah. In God's word, he calls it sin. Here he gives an illustration in James. And he says, everyone, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are not to show favoritism. Don't do it. Here's a little illustration. Here comes Kanye West. Let's just try him. Weirdo. Coming in with bling, teeth, the ring, Kim Kardashian West, come on in too. He'll have the girl with him. They're coming in to a meeting. You're throwing this big ball, this meeting, a ball for Kanye West and Kim Kardashian West. Come on in, Kanye, Kim, come on in. Fine clothes, good looking rings, bling. I like it, Kanye. Come on, don't be so heartless. Come on in. Come on in. That's the old classic Kanye. Come on in, Kanye. Come on in. Whoa. It's like Raggedy Ann or one of the Oompa Loompas that just walked in. Maybe someone from like Willy Wonka, Augustus Gloop, just in shaggy clothes. Or maybe like Pigpen from the Peanuts Gallery. Charlie Brown, Pigpen, dirty. Just think of of someone shabby, looking bad, gross. Maybe from Les Miserables. And someone that looks just shabby in the streets running around singing. Oh. <laughs> Anne Hathaway looking just gross. Not like Princess Diaries Anne Hathaway, but grossly miserable Anne Hathaway. Ugh. Running around. Anne Hathaway. Oh. Uh, Oompa Loompa. <laughs> I just picked Oompa Loompas. I don't know why. Because they just look shabby and gross. Hey, uh, yeah, just, just sit over there. Kanye, come on in. Kanye, yeah, again, just sit over there. Oh, you know, you can just come sit on the floor. Kanye, take the throne. Kanye, we love you, Kanye and Kim. Oompa Loompa, I thought I told you. Just sit over there, please. I want nothing to do with you, okay? Anne Hathaway, I know you're just not looking good right now. Princess Diaries, you need to go back to that. Sit over there, please. Or you can come sit right here on the dirty floor, because you're already used to the streets. Just come sit down, Anne Hathaway. It's okay, it's all right. Kanye, what's going on, my man? Kanye. Kanye. Hey, look, I... You really need to come to Jesus, though, by the way. But I still love you. I still love you, bro. I just hope you get saved. That'd be awesome. Anyway, Justin Bieber, hey! Nah, you can leave. Now nah. <laughs> I, think, I think jail is calling you or something. You need to just go back uh, to prison. Um, wow. That's just in the story. That's not me. That's not me. That's just the story. Uh, this is what James is saying. Let's bring it back. This is what he's saying if you show special attention to the one in rich clothes but you ignore or point the finger or push aside the one that doesn't look as good he says you have now discriminated among yourselves and you have now judged with evil thoughts and James is saying if you want to keep the royal law if you want to keep God's word in your hearts and love your neighbor as yourself that's great you're doing right He says, but now if you show favoritism, you now sin, and you're guilty of breaking the entire law. We're all guilty. This is pretty explicit, what James is saying. This is what Peter was going through. This is what he was doing. He is now meeting face to face, this Gentile Roman centurion, unclean person, filthy. And Peter looks at him, says, why have you called me? Cornelius explains. This angel visited me. He says that my offerings, my prayers, my giving to the poor, God has seen. But you know what? Deep down, I'm missing something. I'm missing something. I want, you to, I want you to tell me, Peter. This was probably an emotional time. Peter is now looking at him, saying, I now realize what this vision was for because God met me. The Spirit gave me a vision that I'm not supposed to call anybody impure or unclean that God, that God calls clean. And he says, now I realize how much God does not show favoritism. And Peter witnesses the gospel to them. They believed in God. They believed in who he was and they gave, they did the works. You see how that's still in the church where we think we can get to heaven by our works, good works, or I believe in a God. None of that gets you and I to heaven. What gets you and I to heaven is a personal relationship with Jesus and understanding and knowing that he died for you and me and it's all about grace. Nothing we can do. Cornelius says, I want that. And I want that for my family. And Peter prays with them. He shares the gospel. And instantly the Holy Spirit falls on them. They are now filled with the Holy Spirit. They are now converted just like that. And Peter says, Let's have you guys get baptized. And this is the first conversion of a Gentile filthy rag that comes to Jesus. See, God is breaking down the walls right now. This was 2,000 years ago. It's still going on today. There's still discrimination. There's still prejudice among us. They're still looking at the other person, judging them with evil thoughts without even knowing them. We all fall into this. This is now our challenge. And on the next screen we can look at this, God's view for us. God does not show favoritism and neither should we. Here's just a list that I can read off real quick of how some of us can show favoritism, some of the faults that we show favoritism in. And we can show favoritism by these. We show favoritism to others by their appearance, how they look, how they dress, if they're looking good, If someone's not looking so good, not wearing the best clothes, we show favoritism by just appearance. We show favoritism by status, how their status is at school, how their status is on the sports team, how their status is at home, how their status is around in the public area. We become favorites with that person. We show favoritism. We show favoritism with someone who's famous, someone who's popular in school, someone who's popular on the sports team, someone who's popular in your clique, but disregard the other person because they're not that popular. See where I'm going? We show favoritism in fortune. We show favoritism for people who have money, possessions, a nice car. We show favoritism in athleticism, someone who's very good at sports, in any sport. And then someone who's not, we kind of push to the side. We show a discrimination and, and, and favoritism for someone who's talented in anything, not have to be sports, music, really good on the computer, graphics, just very studious, someone who's very talented in, in a gift that God has given him. we can show favoritism to that person. And someone who's not like that, we push to the side. We can fall into this every single day and not really even know that we're showing favoritism. We need to understand that it is a sin showing favoritism in any shape or form. And God is saying to us now, if I don't show favoritism, And I accepted you. Why do you show favoritism to that person and you don't accept this person? This is how I want to close because it's clearly found and written perfectly in Romans chapter 15, verses five through seven. This is what Paul would say, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He would say this, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. And here it is, the punchline. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. If we're struggling with this favoritism, and I know a lot of us do, happens all the time. If you and I struggle with this, this is what we need to always point ourselves to. We need to accept one another. We don't honestly have to be totally BFFs with them and be friends. Friend them on Facebook. Oh, now they've got to join our club because I can't show favoritism. That's not what I'm saying, and that's not what the Bible's saying. I'm okay with clicks. You know what clicks are? Just like a core group of friends. I had clicks. I'm not saying clicks are wrong. I'm not saying you can't have clicks. What is wrong, though, is when you start discriminating this other person and ignoring them, because this person looks good and makes you feel good. It actually always goes points back to you, it makes you feel good, because you're friends with the popular athlete. You're friends with the guy who has all the money. You're friends with the girl who's always the the prom queen. God is saying we need to understand that we need to accept everyone. We don't need to accept their sin. We don't need to accept their bad lifestyle. That's not what Paul is saying. What he's saying is, though, as the body of Christ, to bring unity, if you're going to have this click, you need to understand that we can't start looking at somebody else and saying, you're not a part of us. Don't associate with us. I don't even want to talk to that person. That person's the weirdo. So easy to fall into this. This is a challenge for you as it is for me. Jesus didn't have to accept you and me. He didn't have to die for you and me, but he did. Because why? Because he loves you and me and accepts all who call upon his name. God is not a God of favoritism, and neither should you or I be. Amen? Amen. Very cool stuff, very challenging, and I pray that each one of us begins today by maybe reaching out to that person that you did show favoritism to or you did push aside and you asked for forgiveness. This is challenging stuff, but it's what the Bible calls us to do. Amen? Let's do this. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's powerful in every passage of Scripture. And, Lord, in Acts chapter 10, we see these two people, Peter and Cornelius, that you bring together. You are breaking down racial barriers. You're breaking down discrimination walls. Father, I pray that you would just convict us. You would break us. We would not be under this sin of favoritism. And it is sin. We acknowledge it is. Lord, break us, mold us, make us more into your image a God who does not show favoritism. I pray that we would be men and women, the body of Christ, who does not show favoritism. Father, we thank you for a word, that we, and we do thank you for grace, that you forgive us. And we thank you so much that you accept us, and you don't show favoritism towards us. We thank you so much for that promise. We pray now that you would go before us. Help us make amends with that person that maybe we disregarded, maybe we pushed aside. We need to go ask for forgiveness. Father, I pray if we are showing special attention to this one person, favoring them too much, Lord, that we would just kind of back down. Lord, we would step aside. We would humble ourselves, not to puff ourselves up, but we would accept all. We thank you, Lord. Go before us now for this day. We give it to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. For additional teachings and to learn more about the Cornerstone Chapel Youth Group, visit us online at cornerstonechapel.net.